Hello and welcome to APW's Property Podcast Series. APW helps people who are currently living overseas to buy property in the UK. They've been helping the expat community do just this for many years now and have distilled their advice into a simple seven-step process. And over the coming weeks, we'll be taking you through these seven steps and taking some of the mystery out of the process. Joining me to explain how to go about it all is the ever-cheerful Callum Williamson. Hi, Callum. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm very well. Um, now, some of this seven steps applies to people who are also in the UK. I mean, it, it's it's about buying a property, but it, it's more geared towards being completely hands-off and overseas. But uh, let's start at the beginning. Why seven steps? Uh, I mean, you could have picked three steps, as in three steps to heaven, or you could have had the 12 steps, as in the AA 12-step program, or you could have gone for John Buchan's 39 steps, as in, what are the 39 steps? The 39 Steps is a secret organisation of spies, that kind of thing. Yeah. So why seven? Um, yeah, well, that, I mean, that's it. I mean, the 12 Steps, that's a, that's a very famous one, isn't it? Um, Are you on the 12-step programme? I'm, I'm not yet, but I could well be at some point in the future, you know, who knows? But um, anyway, well, firstly, it's quite, it's quite an exciting episode today because it's not just myself. We're in the office and I've got, uh, I've got Bryn, Bryn Miles with me. So Bryn, if you'd like to say hello. Hi, everyone. Hi, Bryn. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Paul. How are you? I'm very well. And you're going to join us and and uh, take us through some of these steps. Yeah, and just chip chip in here and there. Obviously, Callum is the expert, but yeah, I'm very happy to be here. Okay, but you still have an answer. Why seven, Callum? Okay, so why seven? Um, I mean, it's it started when we we were in lockdown in during COVID, and we couldn't obviously couldn't go anywhere. You know, no one could go anywhere, and so we thought, well. Uh, that's when the podcast started. That's when the market wrap started. We thought, how can we uh, still stay in front of our clients and potential clients and give people useful information? So we thought we'd start the wrap, we'd start the podcast. And one of the things we thought we'd do is plan and purchase a property from our living room, as it was at the time. Uh, and that's what we did. We bought somewhere in Nottingham. And these were you know, the seven steps that we naturally found that we sort of went through whilst planning it. And then one of the marketing guys said it's useful to have like a certain number when you're trying to do something. So they said, we'll make it the seven steps. So, uh, so yeah, that's where the seven steps came from. And seven is a very popular number. So, uh, well, tell us what the seven steps are first. Okay. So you've got, uh, the first step, which is I like to say the most important, because if you do that correctly, then all the others will, uh, fall into place pretty easily, you know, so you've got defining your goals and then off the back of having a really good goal, defined along with your resources you've got to achieve those goals you choose a location or the location chooses itself you get your mortgage sorted your conveyancing and, and getting your legals sorted so conveyancing is just basically legals uh, in relation to property you make an offer and then managing the property and finding tenants so those are the seven steps with starting with the most important one which is your goal Okay, well, I say over the next weeks, we're going to be coming going through those seven steps. Uh, so today, define your goals. Um, you said it's very important. Why, why is that the most important? Yeah, um, that's it. I mean, you can't hit a target you're not aiming for. And another, another nice little one of, one of those is Stuart put a post up on LinkedIn earlier in the week or last week or whenever it was when you're listening to this. And it was called The Difference of a Degree. You know, so the difference a degree makes over sort of, and he gave examples, the difference of a degree over a meter, over a mile, over 10 miles, over 100 miles, and it shows how big a difference it can have at the end. So if you don't have a real 
dialed in goal and it's off just slightly, then you could end up miles away from where you are. So a real crystal clear goal helps you sort of really get to, to where you're wanting to go to. Is that why um, when I head to the shops, if I'm off slightly, I end up in the pub? Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's. Uh, I mean, it's funny that that happens to me as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so um, what's what do you mean by goals then? What sort of thing and how do they relate to the different clients that you have? Sure. Well, I mean, you. it can be anything, but I think, you know, we sort of find that generally people are falling into sort of one of three types of goals, people that are working overseas, that is. And you've got, you're just starting out, you're sort of getting your foot on the, the ladder type person. And generally they can be, you know, any any age, but normally we find sort of up to 40. And then you've got people that are sort of in the middle of the, the life cycle and they maybe have a residential home in the UK, maybe a property buy to let as well, but they've got a lot of cash in the bank and they'd like to start getting their assets working or they're thinking about, you know, legacy building for the future for children. And then you've got the people that are planning for retirement, you know, and then that within that, you've got people that are starting that journey 20 years out and then people that have, you know, left it a little bit later or have got more aggressive retirement goals and are basically trying to create income. So you've got the long term just starting out, you've got the building your assets and wealth in the middle, then you've got creating income for retirement. Those are sort of the three loose goals. Okay. And uh, you mentioned as well the different skills and resources. Part of that audit that you have to do right at the start when you define your goals is to work out what you're good at. Um, take us through that a bit. It's, yeah, it's not just about setting a goal, you know, and saying, all right, well, I'm going to we had the London Marathon a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? So it's not going to be, okay, well, I'm going to go and run a marathon. I'm going to do it in two hours, one minute, like that guy did, second fastest marathon ever. It's, okay, I'd like to run a marathon. These are the tools I have at my disposal to be able to do that. So what's a realistic goal that works within that? You know, I've never run a marathon before, so therefore I'm going to target, you know, a above average or a below average time as a starter and use that as a base. So in relation to property anyway, you know, the things you've got to consider are your time. Your time is a resource. Most of the people we're working with, that it, that is their biggest issue, is they're, they're cash rich and time poor, you know, so they've got cash to be able to buy a property, but no time to do it. Uh, and then the other big one is expertise. You know, they lack the expertise. So time, how much time have you got to do something? What is your level of expertise? You know, do you know how to do it? Uh, so even if you did have the time, would you know how to do it? I think those are probably the two main ones. But then, you know, anything can come into play. Do you have legal skills? Are you good at, you know, interior design if we're trying to redevelop something? Can you draw up plans? Are you a good project manager, et cetera, et cetera? So look at what you've got, look at your goals, and that'll give you a clear plan. Okay, so when a client approaches you with their goals and they, oh, you said it, you send them off and say, well, define your goals and then come and talk to us a bit more, what sort of goals do they come up with? Can you give us any examples? What sort of goals have you come across, Bryn? Anything in particular? Well, many people are thinking, maybe maybe they're, they're not so sure. Maybe they are looking for a place where they want to rent out while they're abroad, but then they'd like to come back, come back to live. But a lot, a lot of people do have well-defined goals. A lot of people will say, yes, I'm looking to build for a pension or build a passive income, that sort of thing. I think that's it, isn't it? You get You sort of get people that have a bit more of a crystal clear plan and then those that don't you know so some of the ones i wrote down here before i want the property to provide me as much income as possible as quickly as possible 
Uh, I want the property to be paid off in the long term to give me income in retirement. I want the property to use as a home when I'm back in the UK, not as an investment. And in addition to that, what we get a lot is, as Bryn just said, yeah, I'd like to buy somewhere that I can rent out, you know, in term time and then use on the, uh, over the holidays, you know, which doesn't always work because you're trying to get the best of both worlds. You're trying to get a rental and somewhere that would be a great home for you to use as well. So yeah, income creation, wealth building and, and places to use are some of the goals we would see. Yes. Now we, we, we've done a separate podcast recently or a separate podcast series on the on the different investment strategies that you can have. Uh, this is slightly different here, the, the, the processes, the seven step process. But that uh, broadly falls into the three categories of, of you've got property for your personal use property for income generation and property for capital growth like you say you one goal that people can have is to say i'm going to buy a property now and in 30 years time uh it will have paid off or 25 years time the end of the mortgage it it will have paid off and i get a property free and clear uh, that's a very long-term goal but um let's have a look at these three different ideas property for personal use property for income generation and property for capital growth and and just dive into those a little bit so property for personal use what kind of things do people need to know uh when they're defining their goals yeah well i mean i guess uh that is probably the easiest one, you know, or the one that people would have the least tr- trouble getting a plan together on. You know, it's well, if it's if it purely is personal use and it's not going to be something you're trying to rent out as well, then you can just go pure heart and make the decision based on all the things you like, you know. So is it is it near that pub you always end up in, Paul, or is it near another pub that you might prefer to end up in, or is it close? I wouldn't, I wouldn't live near that pub. It's a bit rowdy. Okay, there you go. So maybe you want to live next to a different pub, but still not too far from that one. You know, is it near family and friends? I think that's the big one, isn't it? Family and childhood friends. If you if you live overseas, it's always lovely to to come back and then, you know, meet your mates in, in the old pub and, and walk around the old park and down to the beach and all that sort of stuff. So that's an easy decision to make because, yeah, it's purely exactly what you're looking for. And as long as it remains purely for you, it's it's an easy decision. Yes, although the personal use is kind of slightly wider, isn't it? Because some people buy it for their children to, who are just coming yeah. to university or uh, they're buying it because they know that their children might use it in a in few years' time. So it, it can get a little bit hazier. Yeah, that, and that's it. And I would argue then, well, actually, you know, it's um, you need to go back to your goals and be a bit more clear. You know, if it's something that if you're buying it, because you're, you know, you don't have a UK residence and you'd like to create a UK residence so that you can pay UK fees as opposed to international fees for university, for example, then that to me would maybe be more of a pure investment, you know, or if it's somewhere that you can use to get the local fees and then your child can live in, it's slightly different again. So I think if someone was to say, you know, to come with that plan, I would say, well, what ultimately you know, what is the real purpose here? And let's go from there. But yeah, it can get a little bit blurry, I guess. Okay. Well, what about um, property for income generation uh, as a pure investment then, which is the other end of the scale, more of a head decision? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an easy, this, so this is the other end of the spectrum. It's just pure, it's pure numbers, right? So this is what we call the head decision. You know, what did I write down here? A goal, uh, like I want to be a gazillionaire before my next birthday is too vague. 
um, you should pin down how much income you want to achieve and by when. You know, a goal like I would like to earn an extra 5K a year from property in five years' time is more practical and well-defined. That's a good example. I, I've been sending out or I did a poll on LinkedIn recently that asked people about how many properties they think they need to retire. And the answer answers vary, you know, from one to 10 or to 20. And it's all about defining the goal, right? So firstly, well, what, how much income do you need? And if it's £5,000, then it could be, you know, five properties at, at 250000 giving you £1,000 a month. That gives you £5,000 a month. Or it could be two properties at 600000 you know, that are giving you the same yield to give you that return or one property at £1.2 with the same yield still. So, so yeah, you need a clear number and then you can work back realistically from there. Okay, and yield yield becomes the thing that you're, you you become most interested in uh, with pure income generation. Take us through yield and how you discover it and, and how you go about sort of working out where to buy. Yeah, so, I mean, yield is, yeah, it's obviously, it's the, I mean, I'll probably get this wrong, but it's the, percentage of the property value that you get back in income each year. So a real nice, simple figure, if you've got a £100,000 property, a 10% yield means £1,000 £10, a year coming in income from that property. So yield, generally, the lower value properties will have a higher yield because it's, you know, uh, it's easier to, you know, to get a high income on a lower value property. It's just the way it works as a property value goes up. For example, if we move down from the north of England to the Midlands and then the south and the southeast, the yields will fall because the values are higher, you know. And so, yeah, if it's pure income, you need to be finding a solid yield, but it is a trade-off. You know, you also need to be finding not pure yield, I would say, but also somewhere that's going to rent well in a strong location that's going to be tenanted all the time. Because if you've got a great yield at 8%, but three months of a year, it's empty, then, you know, you're down at, six point something percent, you know, so you might as well, and then you've got fees to finding a new tenant. So you might as well find someone that's going to be rented for 12 to 18 months and have no voids on, on a lower yield. So yield's important, but personally, I don't think it is the be all and end all. Okay, well, that's heading into our next podcast uh, in, in this seven step process, which is choosing a location. Uh, but the final one um, of the three different ideas was uh, property for capital growth. Uh, what's the best thing to do with that? How do, how do you set about finding the best location for that? So capital growth, I mean, it's... Uh... It's a question of the time frame as well, isn't it? How, how quickly do you want the capital to grow? Do you think that this area, a neighbourhood is going to radically alter and become incredibly posh over a 25-year period or, uh, through regeneration? Or do you think that it's an up-and-coming area that where everyone is moving into in the next five years, which would then affect the kind of price of a property? Yeah, and, and I mean, to be fair, personally, I think over a long term, most places are going up and will go up and be sort of um, gentrified over time. You just look around any city and that's the way it's been been over the years i think if you if you're playing the capital growth game and you're trying to do it over a three four five year period then it's quite risky you know because you have got higher entry or sunk costs i guess is the technical term with property now with stamp duty and and that sort of uh stuff so the one-off costs the one-off costs from purchase yes which which are like you say they they have gone up yeah that's it and you know it can be say five percent so if you're 
trying to you know flip somewhere or gain off the capital appreciation very quickly then you know haven't got as much growth to amortize that um that stamp duty fee so uh capital growth i think long term everywhere is going to be going up but generally speaking it's your bellwether locations that are slightly higher value that you get more monetary value from because five percent on you know a million is a lot more money than five percent on a hundred thousand so the capital growth numbers can be the same but the, the cash you earn is more so generally capital growth would be places like you know your london your bristols your south but you can get it anywhere yes i think there would be some people who would take issue with the idea that everywhere is going to go up because there are uh you know some bad things that hit communities the the you know look at detroit for instance um or look at places where you know the mines closed down and they suffered for a prolonged period uh, and then there are also there have been property crashes in particular areas but again we can look at some of those in the uh, choosing a location which is our next podcast yeah that's true no and, and you are right you know the south wales valleys is an example but i think you know they have not done as well as somewhere say, you know, certain areas within London or Manchester over the past 10 years or Birmingham over the past five years. But yeah, I mean, Detroit is a, is a different, is an interesting example, I think, isn't it? But yeah, we can, we can chat more about that in the next one. Well, American property is, is a different beast, I think. Um, but um, happily, we're, we're just concentrating on UK property. Uh, but OK, well, that's it for today. Um, join us next week um, when we'll be taking a further look into UK property in all its glory. Uh, and keep an ear out for more in this seven-step buying process. Until then, uh, thanks to Callum. Thanks, Paul. And thanks to Bryn. Thank you, Paul. Uh, do get in touch by email if you have anything you want to ask or topics you would like us to cover. The address is podcast at apwproperty.co.uk. My name is Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.